Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. Welcome back once again to the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute and hosted not only on the Ezra Institute, but at the Fight Laugh Feast Network. And you can uh, download that wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for being with us. I'm Ryan Aris, and it's my privilege this week to be joined by Pastor Jacob Rayom. We will get to uh, get to Jacob in just a second, but I wanted to take one moment to tell you about our upcoming Christianity and Culture Colloquium. This is a three-day program uh, for a general audience. If you've been tracking with us for any length of time, you'll know that we often run programs for a more specialized demographic, like pastors or business leaders or students. This is a general attendance uh, program for Christians from all backgrounds, from all vocations, October 18th through the 21st. We're going to consider many important subjects related to the mission of God's people to live our lives and to shape our world in obedience to Christ and to the glory of God. If you visit EzraInstitute.com, you can find out more information about that program. Uh, You can register and uh, send out any questions you may have. So as I mentioned, my guest today is Jacob Rayom. Jacob is pastor at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo, Ontario, and he's on with us today to speak about a, uh, a, an exciting new documentary project that, uh, that he's involved with producing. Jacob, welcome to the program. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be uh, on the program with you. So, Jacob, this, uh, this, prog- or this uh, project is a documentary video, a full-length uh, feature film. This is, for anyone who, uh, who's known you, uh, this is not what you're specifically known for, uh, producing, <laughs> producing documentaries. Uh, t- tell us about this project. How, where did the idea come from, and how did it, uh, how did it come about? Well, I'm, I am, you're right, Ryan. I am primarily a pastor, and what I do is I shepherd and teach our people. And, um, this I think is an outflowing of my, uh, very focused ministry as pastor of Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo. And I realized that when these lockdowns uh, hit back in, what was it? 2020, there is a, I mean, there's a, a deficit in teaching on a Christian view of government. And so it seemed that the impetus of most people was simply to say, well, we got to obey what the government says. And we know where that led um, with a large swath of Christians. And then there was those of us who said, no, 
Um, there's some other teachings uh, in the Bible also. Uh, we know where that led. And so it seems to me that there is a level of division amongst Christians in uh, our part of the, our neck of the woods. And I thought that be, one of the reasons there was this, I guess, draw towards complete totalitarian obedience of the state uh, by some is they simply didn't have the category for uh, an antichrist government. And at the time um, when all of this was going on, I was reading through the works of John Bunyan. And uh, just prior to this, I'd actually read of Antichrist and his ruin, uh, a book that John Bunyan had wrote later in his life, uh, in which he goes into great detail about what an Antichrist government is uh, and how the Christian ought to respond to an Antichrist government. So... So the uh, the inspiration for this project, and I, f I should have mentioned that uh, it's called "Of Antichrist and His Ruin." This documentary, this uh, this comes from uh, from Bunyan's uh, Bunyan's title, uh, his book of that same name, as well as uh, is it is it based on Bunyan, his own life, his own teaching, or? Well, so we there's a few aspects to the documentary. One is is we're going to summarize his life, and we have some. Uh, historians uh, that are going to help us do that. And then we're going to um, put his life in context of the 17th century, which was a century that dealt, I mean, it was a massive struggle in, in, in many regards, theologically, and the, the theology had a direct impact, not just on church life, but on interactions with the state. And so coming out of that century, um, we had a, a clearly defined understanding of religious freedom uh, but going into it i don't know if that was that was totally clear and certainly throughout the century there was um tyrannical overtures by the state which was perceived by bunyan and others as antichrist so that will be an aspect of it and then another aspect of it will be summarizing some of the key teachings of his book and then beyond that we're going to recount uh, how our own country canada how an antichrist government has risen within our midst and uh, how uh, why the churches responded the way they did uh, over the last couple of years and then document some of those churches that were faithful and the persecutions that uh, they received and interview some of the key pastors who uh, led the way through that okay that's uh that's pretty cool so you you mentioned uh some historians who are working to to uh, summarize or to uh, dramatize the life of Bunyan, you mentioned some pastors who had been leading uh, leading their congregations through the uh, this most recent expression, I guess, of uh, of state overreach. Uh, who who is in this documentary? I know there's yourself. Uh, Joe Boot has an appearance. Uh, a few others. Who uh, who are you? identifying and who have you uh, who have you got to to tell this story well there's i think the majority of those who will be commenting in the fit in the video or the documentary are pastors um, some of them most of them will be known by uh, the canadian audience and some will likely be known by the international audience that will view this documentary uh, but certainly i'm in it um, tim stevens uh, will be in it james coates will be in it aaron rock um, has agreed to, um, or he's been interviewed already, and uh, a number of others, including Michael Thiessen, Nate Wright, and then 
Um, beyond that, there are some uh, scholars that uh, have been interviewed. We'll have um, uh, Tom Nettles, who's a Baptist historian. He taught me as a seminary student when I was at Southern Seminary. And so he has a, he's certainly written a lot in Baptist studies. And um, Owen Strawn, who uh, was a classmate of mine at seminary and has gone on to um, prove himself as a very capable scholar. James White uh, will be featured in it. Um, Tom Askell, who's a Baptist pastor from the southwest of Florida, as well as some others. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm looking forward to having Andre Shooten interviewed. I know he's been interviewed already, and I'm glad he's making an appearance, a constitutional lawyer from Ottawa, and uh, there'll be a few more. So there's some people who are real experts in their field uh, on this who are going to provide be providing uh, helpful commentary, and there's some pastors who have been studying the Word of God for years, uh, ministering to their people, and uh, faithfully um, demonstrated their love for Jesus Christ during this dark season that we've come through. These, uh, so these these sound like important stories to tell. Uh, your your own story and uh, and that of uh, of Trinity is fairly well known. Has been getting some uh, a good a good amount of press coverage in uh, in Southern Ontario. Anyway, uh, James Coates, of course, is a uh, a well known name among evangelicals these days. But uh, Jacob, what to, what do you want? What do you hope to accomplish uh, with this documentary? I think one of the problems that we face going into this is we lack teaching on Antichrist um, simply because there was at least a generation or two that was influenced by sensationalized teachings on Antichrist and sensationalized eschatologies. And I think that somewhat uh, became distasteful for a lot of people, and rightfully so. And so um, what, I, what I hope to do in that is is provide an actual biblical category. This is, it's not a sensational teaching. It's not something that's drummed up to sell um, fiction novels or, or movies. Uh, or, you know, this is an actual real biblical category that Christians have been thinking through for millennia and the Bible clearly articulates. And then beyond providing that biblical category for what Antichrist is, as far as an Antichrist government goes, I, I hope to galvanize a future generation. I don't think the state overreach is done. I think we're having a break here. Hopefully it's an extended break. Um, I am among those that's optimistic that the COVID era, era is, has has flexed as much as it's going to flex, but you know, God knows the future, who knows. Uh, but I don't think, I, I think the mechanisms are in place for more state overreach that we really do feel. So I think that what we're going to have to really think through is our political theology. And part of thinking through political theology is understanding how Christians have dealt with these types of things. This isn't a new thing. So how have faithful Christians dealt with this in a bygone era? And certainly Bunyan dealt with it. And I, if if he certainly he was he was the first um, man arrested under the tyranny of Charles II, and he was the last man to be let out of jail under the tyranny of Charles II. So uh, if anyone has something to tell us about. Uh, government overreach and how to deal with a godless uh, antichrist government. It would be Bunyan, right? No, that's a uh, it's a good good exemplar. Um, can you can you say a bit more about uh, the, the a, a biblical interpretation on the doctrine, the person, the identity of antichrist? Because you meant you mentioned that uh, we have had 
a couple generations of sensationalized uh, popular teaching. That was certainly the uh, the teaching that I grew up with. I suspect uh, you were were not so dissimilar in age that you had the same. Right. I am. I, I think it's a particular branch of dispensationalism that has sensationalized it. Um, but I, uh, and so I, th- I don't think that's been helpful. I don't think all of them have sensationalized it, uh, at least to that degree. But the, and certainly some within the documentary might even be um, uh, of dispensational persuasion, but you had to agree with what I'm, what I'm articulating here on the doctrine of Antichrist. Mm-hmm. But certainly within, I'm not of that persuasion, but certainly some that are um, would would agree with what I'm about to say. I know that for a fact. But the man of the man of sin comes up in Second Thessalonians chapter four or Second Thessalonians chapter two. Um, you have, as you read, as you open the show, First John two talks about the Antichrist. First uh, John four talks about the spirit of the antichrist at work and defines it for us he who who he who says that jesus christ has not come in the flesh and then revelation chapter 13 talks about uh, the beast which is the antichrist government but this stuff is not is not novel to the new testament this is deeply rooted in biblical theology you see the antichrist government emerge uh, very quickly in the old testament uh, under uh, the tower of babel and if you read that text very closely what you find is that Babel was governed by an antichrist uh, by the name of Nimrod, who structured his uh, government essentially on secular humanism. As you progress through the book of Genesis, uh, you see antichrist governments arise in Sodom, um, where the people sexu- celebrate sexual immorality, and particularly sodomy. And then you see it uh, come up again uh, within the nation of Egypt. Pharaoh uh, postured himself as an antichrist. And so this concept of an Antichrist government emerges very quickly in the New Testament with King Herod, uh, who's threatened by Christ's claim to kingship. And so basically an Antichrist government is a government that sets itself up as God and Christ. It's a government who believes that its own laws supersede and transcend the law of God, as opposed to a government that acknowledges, as John says in 1 John 4, that, that Christ has come in the flesh, and that as such he's king of kings and um and and lord of lords that we have a god man in jesus christ uh who who who's who bears the weight of government upon his shoulders and and therefore as christians we reject the deification of the state um i think i i mean christians will vary on this particular teaching i think that this will um eventually climax uh, 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 you know before the lord jesus returns and there'll be a final battle between a great antichrist government um, that covers the world and and the government of jesus christ um, but i i i think that the teaching that i'm focusing on right now is the the, the the devil himself has tried to operate through the arm of government and is operating through the arm of government. He's trying to unite people under secular government or godless government or fake Christian government. And in doing so, Antichrist government always emerges. One of the things that Bunyan says about Antichrist as he defines it is it's, it's, an, it's something that apes Christ. It's a government that apes Christ. And so Christ is God in the flesh. He's, he's the second person of the Trinity, who's taken on flesh, government is simply Satan taking on the flesh of government. It's when it's when the power of Satan himself all of a sudden um, finds an expression in the mechanisms of statecraft. 
That's really interesting. Or what I, what I'm noticing there is that this uh, this fact of Antichrist as a as a political figure, as a lawmaking figure, uh, d- it, in spite of the diff- the variations and differences and disagreements amongst evangelicals, that's that's a common theme. That this is a this is a legal religious political figure, whether it's the state. Uh, writ large or the state as sort of represented in the figure of a particular man. Right. In one sense, the state is the culture taking on flesh. And so if the culture is godless and and hates Christ, the state all of a sudden takes the posture of hatred towards Christ. Um, but it, if it's an antichrist government, it's Satan that is embodying himself in, in government. And, and, and if you look at, for example, Revelation chapter 13, where it talks about the rise of Antichrist, one of the things that Antichrist does is he enforces the mark of the beast. Well, what is the mark of the beast? It's, it's a mark on the forehead and on the, on the right hand. And what is that representing? Well, if you look at the Old Testament and the Shema of God, uh, it tells us that we're to write God's greatest commandment on our forehead and on our hand. We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And then we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so that's to be written on our forehead, on our hand, meaning it's to occupy and own our mind, and it's to manifest itself in the deeds of our hands. So an Antichrist government is a government that demands that we think and act the way that it wants us to think and act, as opposed to the way that God wants us to think and act. A free, a free society will allow us um, and in fact, encourage us to live in a way that uh, God wants to, so that the Shema of God is on our minds and is on our hands. Uh, but a totalitarian society will seek to impose upon that and own our minds, own our hands, and own our consciences. And we saw that during the COVID-19 lockdowns. It, it was a government that uh, forbade, for, forbade people from, uh, you know, working six days and resting on one and worshiping on one people weren't allowed to work six days and they weren't allowed to worship on one day whereas this is direct this is right in in god's law it was a government that forbade people from showing hospitality as as jesus taught us to show hospitality so i mean this is manifesting itself and i could go into it and i'm sure you'll ask me to but in in a plethora of ways not just in the COVID 19 era but i think there's there's half a dozen to a dozen symptoms right now that government, yes, even without the COVID-19 lockdowns, is antichrist. No, I would, uh, I would love to hear you carry on with that. Uh, is it, do, you think, do you think that the, uh, the COVID-related lockdowns were, just, were sort of the, the springboard or the launch ramp for a, a program of, uh, of totalitarianism? Or what, well, things, uh, things are moving that way. If you look at what the World Economic Forum wants to do, and if you look at how the mechanisms of government are positioning themselves, and if you look at the general um, attitude of certainly the left within our society, but even the squishy right, mm-hmm. it's it's, um, it's moving it's moving towards totalitarianism, and maybe maybe the COVID nineteen lockdowns was kind of just Satan dipping his toe in the pool to see what the temperatures like. But if if you look at government, this has been going on for years. Um, and government declaring itself to be God, they're not coming right out and and saying they're God. I mean, Julius Caesar didn't come out and say he was God, even if the people might have treated him that way. That didn't happen until Augustus Caesar. And so 
this is what happens. One generation treats it like God and the next generation hails him as God in the flesh as far as government goes. But if you if you look at it, you have a government, number one, that tells us they have the power to define marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on a second. That's God's prerogative. They're, they're now claiming deity. Number two, you have a government that tells us that they can define man and woman. They can take man and make him woman, take woman and make him man with the transgender movement. Well, that's God's prerogative. So there's two instances of the government declaring itself to be deity. Uh, now we have a government that tells us that they're going to um, save us from uh, catastrophic climate change. Um, well, ho- hold on a second. You, I read through the Bible. I remember one year I read through the Bible and I recorded every single Bible verse that talks about climate change. And what are you supposed to do when, when the climate starts to change is you're supposed to repent because God sends famine, God sends floods, God sends pestilence to punish wicked people. So scorching crying heat. out to the government. Sorry, Ryan. Oh, scorching heat, wind. That's absolutely right. That's right. So crying out to the government for salvation and offering them your children's inheritance to save you from climate change is crying out to Antichrist. Okay. So and then what and then you look at the government's monetary policy. Well, how are they you you, you had Jonathan Wellam on your program a few weeks ago. He's also going to be in our documentary. That's right. And he talked about qu- quantitative quantitative easing. Well, what's that? That's printing money. The government is claiming to be able to create wealth ex nihilo. That's only God can create wealth ex nihilo. That's a miracle of God. That's not the government's priority so or prerogative. So there you go. In just a few seconds there, I've given you four ways that the government has is manifesting antichrist-like characteristics. I think the COVID-19 era um, revealed more of that with the lockdowns, because now what happened in the COVID-19 era is the government presented itself as the savior from sickness. And if you just violate God's law, i.e. God's law for worship, God's law for work, God's law for hospitality for a certain season, and God's law for conscience when it comes to um, forced vaccinations, if you just do those things, then you can, um, we'll save you from COVID-19. And so, so that was the first time for years, it's been building up to this, whether it's the legal, sodomite marriage, whether it's transgenderism, global warming, quantitative easing. For years, it's been it's been it's been building up to this. But that was the first time the COVID-19 era uh, since the since really in the English speaking um, uh, West, in, in one sense, uh, that it, that it seriously manifests since Bunyan's day where the where Antichrist reached out against the church. So we haven't seen this in 400 years, maybe. Right. But now all of a sudden, Antichrist has reached out against the church and demanded that the church conform worship to his prerogative. So this is a dangerous thing that's happened among us. And because the devil was so successful in cowing so many churches into submission, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries something again pretty soon. Right. So we've uh, we've seen many of the the sort of the political moves and machinations uh taken on by by the state by the civil government uh, and as you've as you've said manifesting themselves as an antichrist state what uh, what would have happened uh, if we had had or if we were dealing with a a just and godly government uh, we know that government itself is 
is a, uh, a structure that can be good or bad, godly or ungodly, but it's not, uh, it's inescapable. How, uh, how, would a, how would a just government have treated businesses, churches, families, schools uh, during, uh, during the past two years? Well, uh, <laughs> right at the outset, they wouldn't have lied to us. So uh, the, whole thing, the whole thing started on a lie. They told us two weeks to flatten the curve. And, and that, was a, that was a lie. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, and everything else is of Satan. So that was of Satan because their yes wasn't yes and their no wasn't no. But, be, but beyond that, um, I think what the government would have done is they would have reached out to people. If the government was scared that there was a disease afoot, they would have reached out to the individuals. And if they had had our goodwill, they would have said, hey, can you help us out for this quick season? We understand that you're a private business. We understand that you're an independent church. We understand that your family, um, you know, operates a certain way. But would you mind helping us out? And this is what we're asking you to do. And um, and then the people themselves, if they trusted the government and the and the government had their goodwill, they they would have maybe been inclined to comply. But if if the government started to lose their goodwill because the people started to suspect that the government was bluffing and that this thing was being carried on too long and the government was lying, then uh, they would have lost the goodwill of the people. So I think I think what they should have done if they were to honor the Lord Jesus Christ is they would have respected the the rights of the individuals, the rights of private business and the rights of of the churches. And people say, you know, I start talking about rights. I know you guys talk about this. All the time, people say, well, why are you getting so caught up about rights? Isn't that selfish? No, no, no. Hold on a second. Rights are simply the manifestation of God's law. That's all they are. I have a right not to be stolen from. I have a right not to be murdered. And I have a right to worship my God. And I have a right to work. That's simply from the Ten Commandments. That's all That's that right. is. Yeah. So. Yeah. You could think of it as you have an obligation. You know, yeah, yeah. I have an obligation to work. I mean, if it, it, people, it's, it's unreal to me how people have twisted this thing. But if the government, if the government has a right to steal your property and steal your business and steal your church, why don't they have a right to steal your wife for the public good? Because the Bible also, the, the commandments also say don't commit adultery. So if you start breaking one and justifying breaking one for the public good, then you're going to start breaking others for the public good. And this is where these things lead. And so we have to stand on principle and the principles are revealed in God's word. And, and certainly God's eternal unchanging character is revealed in his law. And he's given that to us as a gift. So... So to answer your question, Ryan, to sum it up real quickly, the government would have had a fear of the Lord, and a fear of the Lord would include meditating upon his statutes and using them as a light unto their path and operating by faith, divine principles, God-given principles to see the way through this. They probably would have repented for celebrating sodomy and pushing transgenderism too um, and said, <laughs> well, maybe we shouldn't be doing that because this actually might be a judgment of God. If if you want to be if you want to be really cute about it, you could say, well, what the people basically did, or what what um, what the government basically did, is it was under God's judgment, and it was Pharaoh saying to the people, "Hey, look to me, I'll save you from the plagues." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hits a bit different when you put it that way. Right. Oh. <laughs> so, Jacob, to uh, to return to the documentary of Antichrist and his ruin. What's, uh, what's been the, the response so far? Has, has this been, uh, has this been going public? Uh, how's we've, we've, we've pushed a trailer on, uh, the internet. So we have a website called 
uh, you can visit the ad website. I'd encourage your, your listeners to antichristdocumentary.com. Perfect. We'll put, uh, we'll put a link in the, uh, the description here. Perfect. Antichristdocumentary.com. Um, the trailer is the link is to our YouTube trailer. Um, and I think between all the major platforms, we have about 20,000 views, probably. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't kept track. Maybe it's more, probably is more. And, um, there's a lot of people that have signed up to receive our updates. The social media accounts are being updated regularly with pictures from the various uh, interviews. So yeah, there's been a, there's been a positive response in a lot of, in a lot of regards. I think people see that there's a, there's a need for this uh, particular um, documentary. One of the things that we're going to be doing, actually, I'll, I'll share it with you. I think it's the first time I'm sharing this publicly is that November 18th and 19th, we're actually putting on a conference where we're going to release the documentary and the conference is going to be themed around um, this particular teaching. So James Coates is actually planning to fly in for that. Owen Strawn's planning to fly in for that. And, and, and there's going to be some other uh, teachers likely for that, but it's going to be a big deal. So I'd encourage your listeners who are in the area or who want to fly in, um, November 18th and the 19th at Trinity Bible Chapel is, is, and I think there's some excitement, the ones that I've talked to, there's some real excitement about that also. That sounds, that sounds like an exciting event. That'll be the, uh, the premiere of the documentary, as well as, uh, some, some live lectures and teaching on, on themes related to it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so there's going to be some excellent teaching and I think it's going to be, um, a reunion of sorts too, for some of the pastors that, uh, took a stand uh, together, and you know we all go about our business now. And I've I've got I'm busy pastoring my church as everybody else, and so you kind of move on from these things. But it'll be kind of a nice time of fellowship and uh, and encouraging each other, and hopefully other, um, not just pastors, but I trust other Christians will come and experience the warmth of that and the joy of being around people who who think alike and uh, to be encouraged in their walks with the Lord and uh, their views of the world. Terrific. Yeah, I, uh, I hope to be there myself with my family. Um, That's great, Ryan. Yeah, Jacob, you, you've mentioned uh, the website, antichristdocumentary.com, uh, that uh, you've mentioned there are some social platforms. How, how can people get involved? Uh, how can people su- help support this project? Well, if you go to the website, antichristdocumentary.com, and you go down to the bottom, it tells us that we're doing some fundraising for this. So uh, as of right now, we've raised just under 60% of our funds. So we need to raise $115,000, and we've raised just under $67,000. So okay. I would, it would be, I haven't really pushed the fundraising a whole lot yet, and um at least we had a, a couple significant, two significant donors early on who really helped us get going. But since then, I haven't given a big push for the fundraising. And this is the first time I really am. And I plan on pushing it a little bit more as the weeks progress, actually quite a bit more. But we do need to raise um, a substantial amount of money. So I would encourage anyone that wants to give to that and really believes in the vision for this project to go to the antichristdocumentary.com website and fund the project. The funds are being run through uh, Trinity Bible Chapel. So this is a ministry of Trinity Bible Chapel. And so for those um, who are in Canada and want to get a taxable receipt, they'll get one for uh, for giving to this. Terrific. Yeah. Jacob, any, anything else that uh, that you want to tell us about uh, about this project or anything that's heavy on your heart right now? 
I, I think it's come through, uh, Ryan, but I am burdened for the church. It's, it's really sad to me that we have this rich history in the English-speaking West of biblical exposition and, and theology, and we have our Bibles, and the church has been dealing with this since, since time immemorial. And, and this is something that just totally, it, it was totally a mess for two years. And for whatever reason, people weren't able or they weren't ready uh, to connect the dots. And I think now is the time for churches to think about this and pastors to think about it and for prisoners to think about, okay, what are we going to do with the next overreach on the church? And, and more importantly, what are we, the, the church isn't being attacked right now like we were, um, but private businesses are being attacked every day by overreach. So, so what are we going to do to defend the, the cause of our neighbor who has, you know, maybe mortgaged his home or invested his, his, um, his life into building up a business? And now all of a sudden the, go- the government is unjustly taxing him or is unjustly interfering with his daily operations to the point where it's putting a noose around his neck or he's drowning. Uh, or what are we going to do about this um, this quantitative easing? As, as you said on with Jonathan, well, I'm a few weeks ago on your program, it's basically stealing from people. Uh, the taxation that we're subjected to and the printing of money is really tanking society in so many different ways. And the church needs to be involved in this. And it, it, people get, they react to, you know, political involvement and whatnot. But if, if we don't teach the government how to govern justly, nobody, they're going to figure it out on their own. And there's a whole bunch of snake oil salesmen who are run by Satan who are going to be loving, loving to teach them. So why aren't we teaching the government uh, how to govern justly? And why aren't we teaching the people what a just government looks like? I don't know. But this is a, this is a realm for the Lordship of Christ. If he's not, if you got, as you've said at the Ezra Institute many times, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And uh, the Lordship of Christ includes uh, the operations of of government. So this is a big thing that the church needs to wrap its mind around with the way things are moving right now. And uh, the church isn't in the middle of a fight directly right now, but we should be advocating for our neighbors and we should be getting ready for the next fight too. It's interesting, actually, as as you look at the history of Bunyan. So Bunyan was arrested and imprisoned in 1660, just after Charles II, the monarchy was reinstated in England. And Oliver Cromwell died, and the protectorate, the republic, was turned over to um, to, to Charles II. Well, he was the first imprisoned. Well, that was the canary in the coal mine. Nobody was really imprisoned. But then all of a sudden, in 1961, they had the Corporation Act. 1962, they had the Act of Uniformity. 19 or sorry, 1664, the Conventicles Act. 1665, the Five Mile Act, and all of these. The noose was tightening on the church. So he's the first one arrested. And then five years later, the noose tightened to the point where he almost couldn't breathe. And um, and this is this is the way things go, unless the church of Jesus Christ. We've been given supernatural power of God. We have historical and legal precedent. Uh, and we have uh, our biblical convictions to stand on. And we should really be on the front lines of a fight for liberty. Not liberty for liberty's sake, but liberty for God's sake, because we love our neighbors and we want to see him glorified through up through the wisdom that's revealed when his law is upheld. So, I guess if if anything's heavy on my heart right now, it's it's that it's that we saw an abject failure on the parts of many pastors and churches. Mm. They can repent, they can receive God's grace, mm-hmm. and hopefully learn for the next round. Um, uh, when this is all, when we have to go through this again, no, we don't know how, we don't know when, but I think it's coming. 
Jacob, that's uh, I'm I'm excited for for this documentary. It's uh, it's always good to chat with you. I really appreciate you being uh, on the program today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm really glad to be on the program with you. I really appreciate the invitation. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I so appreciate the work of the Ezra Institute and what uh, Doctor Boots doing. And uh, you've been a massive blessing in my life. Oh, it's uh, it's good of you to say. It's very encouraging. For all of you listening, uh, once again, that's antichristdocumentary.com. And you can, uh, you can go there. You can receive updates about this project. You can help fund it and get, uh, get notifications as they come. We'll look forward to the premiere November 18th uh, in Waterloo at the, uh, at the conference. Jacob, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Take care, Ryan.